All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining today. Uh, I have on with me Jimmy Song. He is a very reputable, kind of a big, big face in the Bitcoin space and um, got him on with me today to talk about his new book, Thank God for Bitcoin. Jimmy and I connected just over Twitter. Uh, he was wanting to know if there's any other people in the space that had kind of put Christianity and religion together with Bitcoin. Um, he's kind of seeing a, a void there from two cultures that are sort of similar um, and would like to connect to. So, uh, Jimmy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, a little bit more about the book, and then, then we'll kind of go from there. Sure. Uh, I'm a Bitcoin developer. So I've been a programmer since I graduated college way back in 1998. So for over 20 years, I've been a programmer uh, working for various startups. Um, I think at one point I counted like 14 different startups that I work for. Um, a couple of them managed to exit in the public market. So that was pretty good for me. But uh, I really got into Bitcoin uh, well, I first got into Bitcoin in 2011, which is uh, 10 years ago today, actually, it was the first time I ever heard about it, it was a, a, a story on Slash that literally February 10th, 2011. That was the first day I heard about Bitcoin. So it's kind of a significant anniversary for me. Uh, but uh, I didn't really get into it until 2013. And at that point, I started uh, contributing to some open source projects on Bitcoin. Uh, I've worked for several Bitcoin companies. Um, and a few years ago, I went off on my own to teach programmers about Bitcoin. So that's the background that I come from. I'm, I'm definitely a coder, but I've also been a Christian all my life. And one of the things that I've noticed about the Bitcoin space as I was going around um, to various conferences and speaking and things like that is that there is a natural curiosity by a lot of Bitcoiners about Christianity. And, uh, and I, I attribute this to um, a lot of people starting to ask questions about money, which is what you more or less do once you get into Bitcoin. What the heck is money? Why, why, why does it exist? And all that stuff. Um, and they realize uh, pretty soon after getting into Bitcoin that they've been lied to about money or they didn't really think enough about money or that uh, they're completely ignorant of money. And they start thinking about that about other areas of their life. And of course, um, our, you know, our eternal purpose and why we are here and things like that are very much in the realm of things that people want want to, um, you know, think about a little more and not just believe what other people tell. Uh, so, uh, you know, this, uh, this is something that I noticed. Um, and I also noted all of the different uh, Christian people that I would meet during these conferences and make a note of it. And uh, uh, before this uh, pandemic, you know, I was at a conference uh, a little over a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, uh, where I was at a conference and uh, I met up with this guy, George McHale, who's one of the co-authors of the book. And we started talking about Bitcoin, but then we quickly moved on to Christianity. And he was uh, talking about, you know, what what the space was like, uh, you know, with uh, with people like are they, you know, for Christianity? Are they very hostile against it? And I was just sort of giving him the lowdown that I just gave you. Um, and uh, and we we started communicating, and at one point we decided, hey, you know what? Let's uh, let's just study what the Bible has to say about money, and and see if we can incorporate Bitcoin somehow. So we we did some uh, Bible studies on money, you know, like looking for example at the uh, you know verses, uh, you know, uh, where. Um, you know, the Pharisees give him a coin and, you know, he goes, render unto Caesars what's Caesars and render unto God what's God's. And, you know, we, we studied a lot of those verses. At the end of it, we both felt really good about like that direction because there's just so much in the Bible about money that, uh, that we didn't really understand. So um, ultimately what we ended up doing was um, getting, inviting more people and we wanted it to be a little bit more eco economics focused uh, so we read two books uh, by Christian authors that went into um, money production, not about like stewardship with money, which uh, obviously is a big topic. And, you know, I, I know there's probably a lot of Dave Ramsey fans and so on, uh, but more about the actual money production. So we read and discussed uh, two books in that sort of books, book club slash Bible study. It was The Ethics of Money Production by Your Greta Halsman and uh, Honest Money by Gary North, both of whom are Christians, and they, um, you know, bring a lot of the Bible into both of them and talk about the ethics of it. And at the end of it, we were, we liked both books very much and have all the utmost respect for both authors, uh, but they were written before Bitcoin, and we wanted to give a different perspective and just show what Bitcoin is with respect to all of that and not have this, uh, 
sort of a depressing ending that both of them had, which was, hey, we need to get back on the gold standard and uh, push politically for that. Um, instead, we have a very different message and thank God for Bitcoin, which is that you can opt out of the current monetary system by going to Bitcoin, which is a much more ethical money. So that's, that's a not so short way of describing what I do and what, what this book's about. No, that's good. That's good. So takeaway there. So now we're going to have life before Bitcoin and life after Bitcoin as phase two of, of the evolution of, of the world, right? Um, so one interesting thing you uh, said there, I'm with Archetype Wealth, our mission is to align people's purpose with their money. And so you kind of said that sounds like you're coming across the same conversation points in the Bitcoin community, which drove the book, Thank God for Bitcoin. So mm. how do we have this conversation of faith in this environment, in your case, developing Bitcoin, building on the Bitcoin network, all that sort of thing. And then it just so happens the last couple of years, you know, things are going crazy in the political world, things are going crazy in the monetary system. And so people, as you said, are starting to ask a lot of questions. Um, so how has that gone from that point? Because we face the same thing. How can we talk about faith and money together? without potentially, you know, making somebody feel uncomfortable clients or, or prospects, but also bring those principles. I think the Bible writes about money 2,200 times or over 2,200 times. So the plan is, is there for us all there for the taking. And so we're trying to implement that into our process. And so it's been pretty successful and, um, you know, it makes meetings go well and it helps people to start to question where and how they're, they're living and spending the money. How's that looked from your side on, on kind of the development side and maybe this group of people that maybe they're aware of, of the faith side of it, but aren't, you know, has it been pretty receptive or is it just kind of in the Bible study group? What's that looked like? Yeah. So uh, one of the things I realized after sort of, uh, you know, talking about this book is that there's a lot of Christians just period. And, uh, and this is something that as Christians, we tend to underestimate a lot is, uh, oh, you know, everyone must be atheists or something like that. Um, uh, but, you know, like all over the world, there's lots of Christians, a lot of people seeking, a lot of people asking questions. Um, most people tend to be kind of shy about it, uh, which I, I find as very tragic because, you know, Jesus told us to be bold and to uh, be courageous in what we do and to proclaim the gospel. But um, unfortunately, a lot of people have been, I don't know, um, conditioned by the world to think that they'll get attacked instantly if they proclaim Jesus Christ or whatever. Um, and this is something that I, I've learned over Twitter uh, is, you know, if you put out a tweet that even suggests that you follow Christ's teachings, uh, you know, you get like four or five atheist trolls that will just come after you, right? Like th this is something that happens. But um, there's a lot of people that aren't doing that too. And there, there's a ton of that, uh, you know, there. There's a lot of Christians that do agree with you and will like your tweet and whatever. Uh, but there's also a lot of uh, atheists and agnostics that actually want to hear their, your perspective. I would call, uh, call them like seekers, people that are genuinely wanting to know, and they, they're actually glad to have that resource. So um, if anything, the encouragement I would give to everyone listening to this podcast is be open about your faith. And you will get attacked, but you know our 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 Lord tells us that you know you should rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. And uh, and you know if you are attacked, you're you're making bank upstairs. And that that's um, you know to use uh, a monetary metaphor, it, you're going to be really rich up there instead of just here. You'll you'll have access to a lot of resources because in a sense you're doing something good for the kingdom, and that's how God rewards you. So. Um, I found, uh, for example, like, uh, you know, I was at the Dallas uh, BitBlock Boom conference, and this is when, uh, you know, I, I was giving a talk, and it was based off of the book, but the talk was the moral case for Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, I, I tried to keep uh, a lot of the Christian stuff explicitly out of it. Um, but, you know, I did talk about natural law and, you know, individual rights and all of that stuff. And at the end, uh, you know, somebody just asked me a question, uh, just kind of straight up and said, okay, why do you think we should believe that, you know, natural rights exist? Like, what, what's, your, what's your personal reason for that? Is it because, uh, you know, it's just convenient and uh, you can really not have, so, uh, like, society wouldn't function any other way? Or is it something else? And I was like, 
Well, you know, it's uh, it's very simple. I, I, you know, the reason why I believe we have natural rights is because I believe I'm a Christian and I believe that God gave these to us. And that's that's the most rational explanation for me. And actually, the, the room clapped right after I said that they were like, Okay, there, there's something going on here. And after after I gave that talk, I went, uh, you know, I just sort of mentioned at the end, you know, if you're interested in this, I am writing a book uh, with a bunch of other people and I was, um, you know, about this topic, uh, please come talk to me. And I was uh, signing some of the other books I had written uh, in the back. And literally like 30 or 40 people came up to me over the course of the next uh, day, day and a half saying, you know what, um, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you said you're a Christian, because I'm a Christian too, right? Like in that like quiet, right, like sort of like, look around the corner, like, make sure nobody's looking. Yeah, like just, uh, by the way, I'm like, you know, you're not the only one to say this. And, and, and then I would tell them about the book. And uh, we actually got a lot of reviewers for the book. Out of that conference, I was just like, hey, like, give me your telegram name so I can uh, ping you and you can review the book and give us some feedback because we, we, we would love that seriously, like 30 or 40 people. And there, there was a lot of them. And this wasn't a huge conference. It was maybe mm -hmm. like a 150, 200 people total. Um, and those are the people that were willing to come up to me and tell me that. Um, so, you know, be bold about your faith, right? Like <laughs> there's a lot of people that are Christian that, that want to say so. Um, and it's, uh, it's just a matter of them feeling safe enough to do it. Uh, I mean, the Bible says we should feel safe enough to do it anytime, but some people need a little push and recognize, okay, um, you're not in the complete minority here. You're not the only Christian here. Um, I think that's a, a lie that Satan tells us to, uh, you know, keep us from uh, being bold with our faith. So some similarities there. So pre, you know, 20, well, I guess 2018 to 19, you kind of, a lot of people might whisper to others that they own Bitcoin, but <laughs> definitely, you know, pre-2016 is kind of like, hey, I got this silly internet, <laughs> right? Um, so there's there's that connection for the two groups, for those that um, maybe hadn't crossed the divide yet. Mm -hmm. um, and to your point, uh, there's a lot more Christians out there, a lot more believers. So for any Bitcoiners out there that, want to know more and have that curiosity you could probably go to one of your three neighbors mm -hmm. um and and the same that that's kind of what we're trying to do today is you know we deal with a lot of believers in, in our practice and and that's mm -hmm. kind of one of our goals um but we're on the other side of the fence where um yeah i, I don't really whisper uh hey i like bitcoin but um <laughs> you know a lot of others in the the traditional financial space uh, advisors, Wall Street kind of have until, you know, more recently, the last year or two. And so everybody's jumping in, but you've got kind of, let's just call it on the believer side, the Christian side, they're kind of like, Hey, what's this Bitcoin stuff? Like I see it all <laughs> over the news, but, uh, isn't it some funny math problem that I'll never figure out and, mm. uh, how do I get in, but I don't want my friends to know. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just kind of wondering, is there, you know, Bitcoin is Austrian economics based, do the work, uh, do what's right, you know, work hard, grind along, and then productivity happens and, and you are rewarded on the back end. So it's a lot of the same principles that I feel like are taught in the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, is there something, if you're on, if you're a Christian wondering more about Bitcoin, like what would you say it is that those principles between the two could help them realize that, hey, you're actually pointed down the same direction yeah one yeah I, by faith and one of you like with your ideas on money um, yeah I, that's why we wrote this book right yeah. uh the the general christian conception of bitcoin if if there is any is uh, you know a lot of people simply don't know about it but if you've heard of it at all usually it's one of three things it's uh something on the dark net it's something for tech geeks or it's something that you gamble with. And all of those are have sort of negative connotations to them and, uh, and people don't know much more than that. And uh, one of the things that we really wanted to do with the book is to sort of change the perspective a little bit because it's not about any of those things. I mean, th those are things that people do with uh, Bitcoin and so on. Uh, but, but the real heart of the matter is really about the redemption of money. It's uh, the, the current monetary system is just so incredibly broken. And I think people, uh, as you mentioned before, people are starting to become conscious of this fact. Okay, something is wrong. Like, how can they 
you know, give us this much money. They're not raising taxes. What's going on? Where are they getting this? A lot of people have that sense, but don't really have the language or uh, the knowledge to really understand what's going on. And that's, that's something that we try to point out in the book is, hey, you know what? Like, here's what money used to be. Here's what money should be. Um, but here's what money is. And the gap between the two is just enormous. And there's a lot of uh, sin and pain and suffering that, that, that lives in that gap because uh, you know, the, the ability to abuse the power of the money printer is just enormous. And it's, it's caused all sorts of morally dubious, uh, many evil things uh, that we point out in the book, uh, whether it's in politics and our personal lives, even in church. Um, and that, that sort of perspective, I think, is what is very useful to Christians to really learn about, okay, um, there's this whole area of life that's very important to everyone, right? Like money is a, a fact of life, and there's a reason why Christ talks about it so much. And, uh, you know, there, there's so many biblical um, commandments around it. Um, you know, like really thinking about it uh, from first principles and uh, and going through it and saying, okay, what 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 exactly is money and why why do we value it and and uh, how does it work and and things like that. Uh, once you recognize that, then then you can say, okay, here's how money is broken, and here's how money can be fixed. And uh, and we we show Bitcoin as a solution. The word Bitcoin, I don't think even really is in the book until like chapter eight. And right. it, it's, it's just like, here are all the problems that fiat money has. And here's, here's how Bitcoin fixes these things. That's, that's how we present it. So for the book, it's thank God for Bitcoin. Um, people can find it on Amazon. Uh, I think your website programming uh, Bitcoin, is it mm -hmm. on there? Uh, yeah. There, there's a link to it. Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere else uh, listeners could, could find the book. Uh, well, we're working on the audiobook, so that should be out pretty soon. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Amazon takes forever to review some of that <laughs> stuff. So uh, we'll, we'll see when it comes out. Um, but yeah, it, it's available on Amazon and you can you can just go uh, go buy the Kindle version or the paperback version. Um, and uh, and yeah, that that's how you can get it. So uh, one of the other things that was kind of an aha moment for me that, that you sort of point out, I mean, if you're in the space or, or you follow it, you start to realize that Bitcoin is very principled and very values based. Uh, the Bible is very principled and very values based. And so Bitcoin has the BIP process where guys like you, uh, however you guys meet or, or whatever, uh, through GitHub or all these other places, you decide on, hey, it would be great if it could do this. And then it gets agreed upon and consensus put in uh, to develop a better mm -hmm. money. And it seems like for the believer, that's a pretty normal process because they've spent, you know, 30 years, 20 years, 40 years getting up, going to church or however long you've been a believer reading those protocols or, or the mm -hmm. process for which to better, you know, so I'm kind of curious from just the, the developer side, do you think, and, and this just kind of out there that this is an opportunity where we have some disconnects in society, whether it's just politically, geopolitically, monetarily, for something like a Bitcoin to help truly kind of bring people together and, and swing that pendulum back to a better values-based system versus kind of the greed and, and whatnot that we see out there. Yeah. Um, so I, what you're describing is essentially, I think, what God's uh, intention for money was. It was a way for people to relate to each other uh, and, you know, like work with each other. Uh, my my uh, verse for this, this book, at least the one that I've been uh, sort of reciting to myself is, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Right, and um, and the whole idea behind that verse—that's Ephesians four twenty-eight, I think. Um, you're not supposed to steal, which the current system does, <laughs> and there there are many forms of stealing that uh, that qualify under that. Stop that if you are doing that. Um, but rather he must labor performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Now, there's two ways to interpret that first. The first way is sort of the traditional way, which is go make money so you could give alms to the poor, something like that. Um, for me, what it means is more like, okay, go find something that you can do that's, uh, that, that can earn money. And that in itself 
is contributing something to uh, other people, right? Like being in the marketplace where you're selling your goods and services, that in itself is building civilization. And this is, this is the whole idea behind money. It gives you a good way of figuring out where in civilization you can contribute your best talents and skills and knowledge to, you know, help people's lives be better, right? You're, you're doing something good with your hands so that you're contributing to civilization. So that for me is, is what money is supposed to be. It's, a, it's supposed to help people cooperate and figure out, okay, here is where my talents are particularly useful because the market will pay for them and so on. Now, the problem is that money has been corrupted. So, um, you know, an investment banker in New York gets paid like a hundred times as much as, you know, a plumber in, uh, in Iowa or something like that. And that, that, um, is a, a direct result of the fact that there is there exists a money printer, there's somebody that can you know create money out of thin air essentially, um, and that means that anyone that's close to the money, including investment banks that um, that can create their own money basically, um, they they tend to have a lot more money to be able to shell out. So um, you know the it, it isn't market driven it isn't about uh, money doesn't necessarily measure the value you're providing to other people anymore we argue in the book that money printing or the expansion of the money supply is really just stealing from everybody else uh, because you're expanding the money supply and diluting their share and so on so um, you know money is supposed to be this thing that gives you um, an indication of where you're most, uh, where you can contribute to other people's lives, right? Where you can, um, you know, do something good with your hands. Instead, it's become this thing where, um, okay, whoever is closest to the money printer, whoever is, uh, you know, who, whoever can rent seek essentially. Um, and that is, that's a very different, uh, sort of, Thing and a corruption of money. And that, this is why we, we call Bitcoin the redemption of money, because it brings it back to that. Uh, there is no money printer. That means that there's, uh, you know, people instead do things that are uh, contributing to others. And th this is what money's supposed to be. It's, it's supposed to be um, a way for, uh, to keep track of how much value you've provided others instead of how much you are able to finagle off of other people. So, um, by by doing that, by uh, by providing value to others, you you grow richer. And th this this by the way is the same language that God uses for us, uh, you know, uh, about our lives on this earth versus lives in heaven. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we do that isn't paid in uh, in dollars, God's saying, you know what, I'm not you're not going to get paid for it in this life, but I'm going to make sure you get paid in the next life. And it's going to be glorious. And, and you should work for that because that life's going to be a lot longer. Um, and that, that sort of like um, mentality, like a, a lot of people sort of like look upon like capitalism and like working and making money as sort of like almost beneath their um, Christian worldview or something like that. That's not what the Bible says. And I, I, I would submit to you that um, God wants us to work. God wants us to, you know, figure out where we can contribute to society in a, in a beneficial way and work with our hands and provide value to others. This is a part of his design for the world. And I believe uh, his design for the next world as well, like uh, to some degree, like we're going to do something that contributes something. Um, we, we're, we're not sure what, but, you know, we're told that we're going to rule over things and we're going to, um, you know, ha have a uh, territory that we're going to uh, be responsible for or something. Uh, not sure exactly what, but, but something. And that, that, uh, that process begins here, right? Like in learning how to do all of that. And so, yeah, all, all that is to say that we uh, need a different view of money and what it, what it all is about, because there, there's a, there's a tendency to sort of dismiss money as something beneath you or to elevate money as something that we worship. Neither of those is healthy. Money needs to be put in the right place where it is a tool, our servant, but something that we, we use to help uh, with, uh, with our spiritual lives. Yeah, and that, there's a lot of good points there. You hit on a number that we do a lot with our client base. Um, mm with the prospects we talk to, the individuals that we work with, especially the last one you talked about money as a tool. So 
um, that's one of the big keys for us, right? And I think that's lost uh, or has been lost over time through the varying stages of greed or whatnot, that, that money is just a tool. It doesn't do anything. It's not worth anything. Like to me, the, you know, people say, Hey, well, I have a lot of money or I don't have enough money. Mm. The money is not the problem or the solution, <laughs> right? Money is just the medium of exchange. The thing that we use say, Hey, Jimmy, if I give you this $5, will you give me that book? Mm. The value comes from whatever is on the other side of it. Mm. So I might say, well, the book's worth $5 in value to me. And you might say, well, it's worth 25 to me. So you've got to, you know, give me 20 more to go with it. Right. So Mm -hmm. the value drive is on either side of the exchange and money is just that thing in the middle that allows the good to go, you know, left or right to swap. Yeah. So I I would say maybe there's a little bit of clarification because it it is a tool, but some tools are much better than others. And the current tool is just enormously bad because it has leaks all over the place. It allows for sort of stealth theft, uh, which we call inflation. Um, There, there's a lot of, uh, you know, the entire system is based on debt. So it encourages consumption and it discourages saving Um, all, all of these parts of the uh, the current money that we use are just so morally bad um, and having a different system of money um, will make us behave in very different ways and I've, I've definitely seen this in the Bitcoin community a lot of people that get into Bitcoin well they they start seeing things differently and asking different questions and thinking about the long term uh, I can't tell you how many people in Bitcoin that I've met that want lots and lots of kids this is not a normal thing with any other group right like this uh, I mean maybe Christians but Generally, um, their their main two concern and, two is two and done, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, all right, I have a boy and a girl, I'm done, right? Like that yep. that that seems to be uh, sort of the mentality of the world. But you know, like among Bitcoiners, there's there's a lot of people that have you know more than four kids or something like that, and that yeah. that's that's not uncommon, or at least desire to do it because they realize like, okay, like I I need to think much more long term than this life, right? And that. That's the main thing about money that we really need to really internalize. Right. And that's, that's where, from a tool perspective, like we use it and, and kind of coach on money as a tool. So you might have a lot. Okay. Well, that means you can be more productive investing in seven different ventures, um, investing in yourself, in your kids, in your legacy, your family, your steward, you know, being the steward of that money. What you do with it is what makes the difference. And so Mm. we help a lot of clients give away money. Mm. Um, So they're not just, hey, I've built $10 million, this nest egg. And so I'm going to kind of piece it to the the beaches and sit there. No, it's like, hey, you've got, you've produced enough, used your Mm. skills that you were provided by God to Mm. take advantage of the things, the opportunities that have been provided for you. Therefore, you've accumulated this, much more money in a worldly sense. So how do you turn around and use it as a tool to give back to your community mm-hmm. and, and those around you? So that that's a lot of what we focus on, which is kind of odd. Mm-hmm. Financial advisors aren't supposed to be helping people <laughs> give away money, right? Uh, we're supposed to be, you know, telling them to hoard it. Um, so mm-hmm. there's some interesting things there um, that, that I think it sounds like both sides sort of understand. And maybe your book is is what helps connect more of the two sides. Yeah, absolutely. And there's uh, there there's something about thinking about the long term that um, isn't encouraged by the current monetary system. So one of the things po- that we point out is that you know if you're in debt, that that's a lot of pressure, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. you, you're always thinking about the money that you need to pay back. Um, in a sense, like if you're, you know, there, there's a verse in Proverbs, you know, debtor is servant to the lender. And this is true at like every level. Um, and if you have a big mortgage, well, that's, you know, you, it's hard to think past that or look past that or uh, think about like sort of the generations beyond you and uh, mm-hmm. or your eternal life in heaven. The, these are not things that naturally come when you're essentially insulated to the money. And this is one of the things that we point out in the book is you know, like a debt-based system um, is is basically you you consume first because you can get yep. whatever you want by getting into debt and then you're enslaved for the next 30 years. 
Um, the alternative is to save <laughs> and then get the thing at the end. Uh, and I, I mean, you don't need to be a parent to figure out, okay, the, you know, saving and then getting what you want is a lot better for your character than getting what you want and then being enslaved for a while. Like it, the, the former makes you a better person, the latter just makes you embittered. And that that's not a good thing. And and this uh, the, this mentality shift uh, to saving um, is what we in Bitcoin call like low time preference behavior, yep. um, uh, which the Bible I think just calls like patience or prudence or something like that, where you're mm -hmm. planning for the future instead of just uh, you know doing what you want now. Uh, that's really encouraged by the current monetary system with the system of debt. I think that's a a big point where. Mm -hmm. The two sides definitely could connect because the, the Bible's definitely a low time preference when I was reading the Bitcoin standard, which ironically wasn't really all that much about Bitcoin, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was the title, right? Um, mm -hmm. That was very evident uh, as a believer. I'm like, well, no wonder I like and understand and get Bitcoin because it's mm. engraved in my life and it just kind of uncovers if you have faith and are a believer, what was already there, right? It just mm -hmm. wasn't in our modern money or or what causes a lot of people to make modern day choices because the, that's geared more towards instant gratification. So on that note, Bitcoin and, and any money, in my opinion, uh, US dollar, if you want to talk about that, faith is really what backs it in today's world. So Bitcoin has this huge faithful community that has mm -hmm. fought all these battles for a decade 12 years now christianity same thing mm -hmm. thousands of years of fighting these battles and you know mm -hmm. as you talked about early on um kind of hey don't tell anybody but i'm a christian hey don't tell anybody <laughs> but i'm a bitcoiner like is there something there that could really gel i mean obviously your book calls it out mm -hmm. uh, maybe just as readership goes up and and launches happen maybe that's it. is there is there anything else out there um, being somebody in both communities that you see that could help uh, drive it. And what, what part of that faith do you think has helped, you know, I mean, I think we know from a, from a believer side, what that's helped, but from a Bitcoin and monetary side, um, how much do you think that's played in the faith part? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if faith is the right word here, but uh, I mean, I think, I think it's included in there, but, uh, but it's this, um, this uh, moral motivation or, or some, some sort of moral standard or a desire to do something that's not just super selfish, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that I think is, is at the heart of both because in a sense, um, if you really need to believe in something, there, there, it can't be just, okay, I'm, I'm just going to you know, be better. Or I, I'm just going to be better off than these other people or something like that. It's, uh, it's not satisfactory. It doesn't fulfill the soul. And I, I think you, if you ask any Christian, uh, they would tell you the same thing. It's, it's not just about my contentment. It is much more than that. And, uh, and you know, it's about eternal life. It's, it's about a purpose that's beyond yourself. Um, and, uh, Bitcoin has a similar thing like that, uh, in the sense that, uh, for a lot of the people that are in it, you might get in because the number's going up, right? Oh, you know, it's uh, it's now $45,000. You know, it was uh, 10000 not too long ago. Hey, I, I've made money. Um, and there, there's plenty of people that do come for that and stay for that. Don't get me wrong. But the thing that really drives the community, the people that are really at the heart of the community, they actually believe in it. They 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 believe it to be a good for civilization, good for society. Um, and a lot of that uh, takes its cue from sort of Austrian economics and um, learning about you know what drives civilization, what makes civilization better, and things like that. Uh, and one of one of the you know t uh, things that Austrian economics has pointed out is that our current civilization is actually not doing that well, right? I heard this one thought that was a little bit scary. What if like 1969 we land a man on the moon? What if that was the height of our civilization? You you think about it and you're like, huh? Yeah. What what have we done since then? Okay, we we have Google and Facebook. Like has humanity really expanded, right? right. It's entirely possible that, that was the really peak. improved our life. 
yeah and like we don't we're our currency is not by, backed by gold anymore and like everything's just sort of like turned inward and uh you know entire the entirety of society seems like narcissistic and so on uh bitcoin is in that sense uh you know similar to christianity in that it's it's sort of a reset of uh, uh, of your point of view from mm -hmm. like pointing entirely inward to what uh, what satisfies us to something outside, right? Like some, something about civilization. Um, and, you know, like for Bitcoiners, uh, money matters quite a bit. Uh, and the incentives that it makes matters quite a bit. Uh, and changing those and bringing sound money to the world is a justice issue. Um, there, there are numerous ways in which the current system is just horribly corrupt and horribly unjust. And Bitcoin is a much fairer money. And that's what we want to bring to the world in, in the same way that Christians do. So on that on that note, um, from a programmatic standpoint, we'll just kind of get not you don't have to get technical, but more technical question, right? In a world of data, mm -hmm. in a world that's security is primary focus, um, you know, connectivity. Uh, machine to machine, all this stuff that's drastically different than in 1913, right? When the Fed was set up and 1862, when the first dollar was, you know, issued. How does Bitcoin as money from a programmatic standpoint, the stuff you work on, mm. how does that help us make our life better, easier, maybe more productive, given that it, it, it kind of relies on data connectivity, security, all that sort of stuff? Well, uh, I, in order to understand that, you really need to know a little bit more about the current system. And the way the current system works is that it is entirely based on debt. And that means that anytime debt is issued, the money supply expands. Um, so for example, um, I'll, I'll give just sort of a very retail example. When you take out a mortgage for your house, um, say it's a quarter million dollars or something like that, that you need to borrow. Um, the bank does not have a quarter million dollars in, uh, of somebody else's savings that they're lending to you. Um, most savers would not take the deal because it's it takes 30 years to get a return. Uh, the, the rates are like around 3% and there's obviously some credit risk in case you don't pay it back. So they're not interested, but these ha things happen every day. So what's going on? Well, they're creating money for your benefit. They, they uh, expand the money supply by two, uh, $250,000 or whatever the number is so that you can go own the house and you pay it back um, you know, during the term of the loan. But it's a way to expand the money supply. It doesn't come from anywhere. It's created in uh, you know, ex nihilo, as they say. And this, this is the same case at every level, right? Loans are created uh, out of nothing. And, and what happens when you create money out of nothing is that the money supply expands. That means that any savings that you had gets diluted just a little bit. So everybody that create, uh, like is borrowing you know, money is essentially expanding the money supply. And, uh, and you, can, you can clearly see this because banks... Uh, like don't have opportunity costs. If they have five different people that want loans and they all qualify, they'll give it to all five. It doesn't matter because there's no opportunity costs. Um, there, you don't have only a fixed pot of money that you can lend out. It's just, you're creating money out of thin air. So all that is to say that the entire system is built on theft, right? It, it's, uh, you're, you're able to expand the money supply because you're taking a little bit of value from everybody else. And that is a highly immoral system and it causes all sorts of really bad incentives. That, uh, you know, sort of system of theft is what hurts civilization, is what makes it so much worse. Uh, what Bitcoin is, uh, different is, is in that there, there is no monetary expansion. It's just there and it's all computer code. There's no, uh, no person in charge of anything. It's just, it, it's code and we know exactly how many there's going to be. And it's kept up by the entire community. And this is something that Nicolas Oresme, who is a French bishop from um, the 14th century said about money. Well, sovereigns should not be expanding the supply. It should be the community, if at all, if it, uh, that that should do it. And that's the ideal that Bitcoin uh, Bitcoin embodies: is that you can't expand the money supply 
without the agreement of the entire community, everyone that is running the software that checks everything. Um, unless you get all of them to agree to change their software, then it's Ill illegit. And that that's uh, at the heart of why Bitcoin is uh, is better for civilization than fiat money. And you know, it, it changes a lot of things, including you know uh, a lot of rent-seeking jobs going away, a lot of people that are a uh, uh, lot, lot less consumption for the sake of consumption, a lot more saving, a lot more, uh, you know, building up of civilization, a lot more people going into jobs that, you know, where, where they're um, benefiting others, right, providing value to others instead of, you know, um, being, a, uh, being part of the money printing machine. So that, I think, is at the heart of what, what we're talking about. So... Uh, by having greater purchasing power, mm. people can do the things they maybe are called to do without having to have the worries of, am I going to make enough income to pay my big mortgage bill mm. in that ever inflating economy? And then does it give us different levels of connectivity and security that allow us to maybe have more freedoms to enjoy life than, hey, I've got to work. 72 hours a week uh to afford this house and you know these two kids but my buddy over here who's a bitcoiner uh he's very principled seems to have a lot of money saved right lives by mm -hmm. a different set of values and oh by the way doesn't work, have to work as much mm -hmm. and has eight kids right now that that part was just going to be facetious but um <laughs> do you yeah, think they're I mean like bringing back Mm -hmm. Kind of bring us all back to reality of, of what maybe the Bible tells us that uh, life's about rather than mm -hmm. chasing dollars. Yeah, um, I would say that, uh, you know, in the current system, almost everyone's up to their eyeballs in debt in some way, shape or form. And again, better servant to the lender. Um, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, the whole system is set up so that you worship money, right? If you're the servant of money, of your debt, you're serving a money. You're 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 not serving God. And th this is uh, for a Christian. You really have to think about like the role of debt in your life. If if that's what you're servicing instead of God, there's something wrong. Uh, but the whole system set up that way so that we end up servicing debt and instead of serving God. So, um, you know, w what I would say that Bitcoin does that's very different is that it allows you to save because money holds its value over a long period of time, now saving is worthwhile. And that means that as you save, well, you, you, you have a little more freedom to do what God wants you to do instead of being shackled to this debt that you have to pay off. I mean, how many Christians honestly have mortgages and they, uh, they basically feel like they have to keep working at a job that they hate or to take a job that they're not that excited about, but pays $100 more per week in, in order to service this debt or to make that possible. How many Christians are like this? Uh, this is a question that I've asked a lot of uh, young couples, right? It's, oh, are you, uh, you know, Christian couples? Hey, um, you know, when, when are you planning to have kids? And they'll say, oh, we're not sure. And it's like, well, well, what's the problem? Well, we're not sure we can afford it. Oh, what are you telling me? You're telling me that if you had enough money, that the money would take care of the kid. Is, is, is that what you're really it's telling me? It's not about, to, yeah, yeah it, it's not about God taking care of your kid. It's not your ability to take care of the kid. It's the money that would take care of the kid. You're worshiping money. Yeah. I, and this is, this is a church and every, like literally every person that, that's not having kids, usually that's their answer, right? I mean, or maybe maybe they want to have kids and they're having trouble or whatever. I'm not talking about those people. Correct. I'm talking yeah. about the people that are saying, I, um, you know, we can't afford it. And that you're worshiping money. And um, in a sense, we, we all are if we're in debt. And the Bible clearly tells us that we're servant to that debt uh, if we have it. And like sort of getting... Uh, having a new monetary paradigm where uh, where debt isn't so prevalent and savings is just encouraged like crazy because it, it holds its value. Well, that's a very different life, isn't it? It's it's a it's a life that is about where money doesn't have a hold of you. It's just you're you're saving so that you can do something and you have you, you can have goals that are different than paying off the house that I just, I, I just uh, committed to for the next 30 years. It's okay. Now, what do we do with this money? 
right? Like here, here's a way in which we can further God's kingdom with this money. That that's a much stronger position to be in as a Christian. And, and I think that's the way that people should think about it. So one, one point there, um, as I mentioned, generosity is a thing that we focus on a lot with uh, our client base, uh, the people we talk to work with. So am I hearing that maybe, uh, as more Bitcoiners, um, kind of get indoctrinated or, or learn more about the faith and becoming religious that maybe there's a good opportunity that they have some of these wills have big piles of Bitcoin that they can, you know, mm. donate, uh, out to society or help their communities. Uh, is that anything that, that you come across and, and, and see, I think Anthony Pompliano did, um, a giving fund. Um, mm -hmm. I think you could put more in Bitcoin, but targeting, is there an opportunity out there for those big whales that have big stacks to potentially help also reverse the system, not just by buying Bitcoin and having a better savings vehicle, but distributing that, uh, to help those, you know, just in the example of, Hey, the family can't afford quote unquote, afford to have children. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, or, uh, impoverished communities or whatnot use some of those funds to do you see that come up at all or is it strictly just price price go up uh, no i mean there there's plenty of organizations that give in terms of bitcoin uh and you know i mean there was a pineapple fund uh a few years ago that it, it was like in the thousands of bitcoin and they gave out grants to all sorts of organizations um there's a, an organization called BitGive. Um, mm -hmm. There's uh, there's a lot of uh, nonprofits that do stuff like that. But you know, I, honestly, I'm I'm I I get a little bit like I don't know uncomfortable about that sort of thing. Um, in a sense, because uh, a lot of uh, a lot of quote, a lot of projects sort of use charity as a way to whitewash their project. Right? Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> you definitely so, got to like look under the hood and, and make yeah, sure and, there's that faith and, word that comes into play. Yeah. I, and you know, um, like I said about that verse, right. Uh, working with his own hands to provide something, um, good, uh, you know, it, it's good to others, but it, in a sense, like, you know, give uh, charity is good if you know the other person to some Correct. degree, but yeah. like sort of like giving it to an organization, like I, like I, as a Christian, I, I, I hesitate on a lot of that stuff because you don't know what's going on under the hood and you don't know what mm -hmm. their missions are, how it'll change and all that stuff. Like I try to give to individual missionaries and, yep. uh, and people like that rather than like, um, you know, this amorphous organization, um, like that, that may do something that's gospel related, may, maybe not, but then, you know, they, they might, um, you know, all of a sudden turn towards a doctrine that I completely disagree with. Um, and I, and I've had that happen where, where, um, you know, I've donated for a long time to an organization. Um, and then they come out and say something that I completely do not believe that I think is anti-gospel. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to pull this because, you know, and I, I, you know, it, it gets a little weird with that. And that, that's something about money that, um, uh, you know, like you can't just, you, you have to be wise with your money. And that's, yep. uh, that's something that I think Bitcoin encourages. Um, but, you know, like just sort of like saying, oh, okay, here's a charity and I'm giving it to them uh, without actually doing the research and figuring out whether they're the right uh, people to receive it. And, you know, the more you know about the organization, the better it is, obviously, but you can't just take their mission statement and say, oh, okay, I agree with that. Therefore, I'm going to give it to them because, you know, that's not how Christ told us to judge. You, you judge them by what they do, uh, not what they say they do. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that, that's kind of, that, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of the angle we take. It's like, what's, you know, what is it that's important to you, right? Mm. Where do you see Maybe there's broken opportunity to go in and help. It's not just like, hey, I'm going to give to the Red Cross or, you know, sorry to single them out, just some organization. Um, but it does seem like there is a good opportunity with lots of value sitting in cold storage, hot wallets, even to an extent on exchanges that in a system of brokenness, there's opportunities for those that have the privilege of having more through work that they did to understand. 
Um, so it's really more along those lines. Uh, I do agree. Yeah, with, and savings with that, definitely yeah. helps in that regard, right? Because if you're in debt, you can't afford to do that because you're right. you're servicing the debt instead. So having the ability to save and like uh, being able to freely give from that savings, I think, is really what the discipline of uh, of tithing and uh, yep. and you know all the things that Christ tells us to do uh, is all about. Um, but instead, like. We're in this system of debt where like there's this constant pressure to service that debt and you end up serving that. Uh, I mean, a lot of, lot of, you know, one of my former pastors used to say, you know, like everyone tithes. It's uh, just some people tie to the church of Visa or MasterCard or American <laughs> Express. And it's like, yeah, yeah you're, you're serving, serving the money, right? Serving the debt instead of, uh, you know, serving God. Um, and this is why I think like, uh, you know, having... Uh, that savings mentality is just so important. And, um, you know, not being in this sort of debt ridden world of, uh, of, of slavery, uh, those are, those are very different um, sort of mentalities. And I think Christ calls us to uh, saving and doing, doing things in the right way, instead of being, you know, perpetually in debt. Yeah. I think there's a, um, I don't know if it's a real stat or a statistic it sound, or, or made up. It sounds good. that something like, 80 or 90% of your life flows through your checking account. Mm. So if you really want to know more about your life, how you spend your time, what you enjoy, just look at your, you know, at this, this point in time, your um, online credit statement, um, mm. you know, account transaction history. So, um, you know, good conversation. Um, what, you know, to, to wrap it up um, more of a, again, more of a technical, less about uh, the faith. Um, but, how would you go about for for those Christians or even even non-believers that want to know more about Bitcoin? Um, just simply sum it up as, in your opinion, if you were explaining it to a five-year-old, kind of what would you say uh, Bitcoin is? Well, it's uh, it's a digital money, <laughs> and it's uh, well the the way I describe it is it's decentralized digital scarce money, um, and all of those things like sort of mean mean something. Uh, it's decentralized in the same way that gold is. Um, I could try to dig for gold in my backyard. I'm probably not going to find any, but uh, anyone is free to go look for gold. There's no central producer of gold. Um, it's digital in the same way that like email is digital. Um, it's not physical like gold is physical. Um, so it means that it's very, very convenient to transport and it's scarce. Um, unlike uh, email, which can be infinitely copied, unlike um you know, something like salt, which used to be money, but then they figured out how to produce it in bulk. It's no longer money for that reason. It's actually scarce. And it's scarce in a way that nothing ever has been scarce. So those three qualities are what make Bitcoin Bitcoin. It's decentralized, digital, scarce money, which means that no one can control it. It's extremely convenient and it it will hold its value really, really well. So um, that that's uh, what I would call it. I, I don't know if a five-year-old would understand that, but hopefully that that's about the best I could come up with. No, that that's good. I, I I think in simplest terms, I say you know it's something to the effect of the ability to transfer value over the internet, mm. just like yeah. you would, as you mentioned, email. It's very similar to that. Um, so uh, the book, um, thank God for Bitcoin. Um, I think we touched on it earlier. Uh, good book. Good job. Congrats. Um, Thanks. hope, hope we, uh, reach the masses with it that, that you're hoping to do and, and in other ventures where you're pushing it out. Um, and anyways, I wanted to just say thanks for coming on today and, uh, look forward, uh, to seeing good things in the future. Thanks for having me.